I'd like to begin by paying my respects to the Wondery people, to the traditional custodians of this land where we are meeting upon today for its elders and past and presence and even for the self-agency people as well who have passed away too and who are still here today on the Aboriginal land. In today's show, we will be talking about domestic violence. If this is confronting for you, then please tune out. You can also contact Lifeline on 131114 or Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. My name's Jane Rosengrave and you're listening to a Yorta Yorta Strong Power for Woman on Disability Day. The radio show's going to be called Freezer Bird of Jane's Life. We should just start yarning then, hey? Yes. So I've seen you a couple of times around the place. Yep. I think the first time we met was at Ross House, I yes. think. Yes. Yeah. And you came in, I was at Rise Refugee yes. for something. Yeah. And you came in with art. Yes. So why don't we start there? Okay. Well, I like I had a feeling that I had art in me, but I didn't know fully until I after I left my partner and I started really getting involved in the art. It was dot painting I was doing and since I've been through domestic violence and if other people women out there who are going through it and if they want to do something about it on leaving their partners. I've done this painting here that's got freezer bird and it was all to do with domestic violence for women to come forward and tell their stories. And then I've done another one for open place which is for people who've been brought up in homes and that's part of it for the stolen generation, part of it's for the forgotten Australians, for the ones who was put into institutions. And um, I've done other paintings as well, dot paintings, and I've done one for... For eyes. For eyes. And that one stands for the people who are who's on an island, but they can be shifted off the island and taken to an organisation where they'll be looked after and all that, and not to be forgotten. Yeah. You also crochet. Oh, Yes. I've been doing crocheting from when I was five years old and it was one of the teachers that taught me at the institution, you might say, not the school, but the home was a jail, but the school was okay, but it was connected to the jail. My teacher, when I was six years old, she got permission for me to, for me to go out with her because she had a family in Bacchus Marsh and it was her mum that taught me how to crochet. That was when I was having fits and that. And then when I used to have a fit, I used to get warning signs mm. and I used to, they were hot in the head and I used to walk out to the shed, at front of the shed and I used to talk to myself and shuffle my shoulders and that's when I knew I was going to have a fit that night. And I know you had surgery to help with those and, yes. and fix those. Um, I had the brain surgery in 2004, but in the late 1990s, another friend of mine who was having fits, they asked her and she said, yes, definitely, because I want to have kids. So when they'd done the brain surgery on her, it all worked out. And then down the track, they asked me and I just said, yes, because I was always upset. 
when I used to go to the doctors at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and they knew that I was not with it properly. And my partner used to come with me, but it was after the brain surgery that things changed because it took oh, about five hours for the brain surgery because I had to remove the scar that was on the tempered lobe. And then after that, my partner didn't like it because I didn't need him anymore. Mm. I was going to Melbourne a lot more. He was doing the housework, the shopping, the cleaning while I was there going to Melbourne. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that's when I started, like, not being free as a bird, but I started feeling a bit more stronger. But it was after I left him, that's when... I started feeling free as a bird, definitely. Yeah, so that's kind of why I brought up the surgery because it seems to me like that's when you started coming out. You got clearer in the mind, you gained some independence and then you started realising, hmm, I'm not happy with this relationship. No. I deserve better. That's right. Well, I wasn't really happy with it from, I reckon, from 1998, 99. Before that, I was happy in the relationship. But that's when the domestic violence started. And that's when I started not liking him. And But I was still too scared to tell people because of the institutional days. Yeah. They wouldn't believe you. But it was after that brain surgery that things started to change. And he didn't like it and I gave him three warnings. And it was that third one that I left him for good. And he wrote me a long, long letter. Five pages, back to front, and I've still got those today. <laughs> still got the letter? Yes, and I've even still got when he said to me, I want you to say sorry in this particular way because he knew my brain was not working properly when I was having the fits. And he was he was dominating me, and I had to work it out how to say sorry. And it took days. He wouldn't sleep with me. He would go out and sleep in the back room. Till I've worked out how to say sorry. Mm. I've been pushed around my first half of my life from the institution and from my relationship. No way it's going to happen again because I'm staying as free as a bird until the day I die, until I go into ashes. Okay, so much there. <laughs> when you, <laughs> so much to talk about just from that statement. Yeah. So... You left, and I want to talk about that because we both know it's really hard for people to leave. It is. Abusers. Definitely. And people need support to do that. Oh, God, yeah. How did you actually leave? Who supported you? Well, what I did is I gave him three chances, and it was the third chance that I, after he headlocked me, slapped me across the face and kept me hostage in the community house, and I had some bruises on me after he threw things at me, that... I wrote these things down, what he did to me. And I kept them and in a sacred place. And the next day I said to him, I'll see you tonight, darling, OK? And he thought I was only going up to Centrelink and then coming back. No way. I just went straight to Melbourne and I had my paperwork with me and I wrote everything down what was going on while it was all fresh in the mine. And that's when he realised, because I crashed into a friend of mine, told my friend what happened. She read the pages back to front, 13 pages. And she said, do you want to go to the police? And I go, I do, but I'll go to Open Place first. So I went there. Open Place helped me. Went back to the police, told the police what happened. 
And they said, right, we'll do something about it. And I put a restriction order on him and I took him to court. Um, I wasn't that cruel to, for him to go to jail, but I didn't want to go back into the house. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wanted him to live in that house. And he can pay the high rent. <laughs> While I yes, you can pay the rent. <laughs> well, I am in Melbourne and I'm living somewhere else, you know. So I had help with that with Open Place. Can you explain what Open Place is? Yeah, Open Place is an organisation for people for the board, for the children from the last century when they were taken off their families and put into institutions and when they were sexually abused, physical abused, traumatised and all that. And Open Place has got cancelling, you know, friends to catch up, talk about what happened when they need help and all that, all that type of stuff. Mm. Yes, from those olden days. One thing that people who are trying to flee an abusive partner often have to deal with is housing. So where did you stay? There's an organisation called Sacred Heart Mission, which is in St Kilda, and it's for women who want to leave their partners for good. You cannot know where the place is. But when you're with someone who you can trust and they come and support you, that person is not allowed to drop you off in front. They have to drop you off about five houses down. Then you've got to walk back. You know, yeah, so it's quite, to protect people. That's right, yeah. And you can even not let your partners know too as well. Be real secure. And there's cameras there too, everywhere. So that's one good thing about that place. You're really secure there until they can find you another house. But you're under the, them for a certain amount. But then you go to another place but still under Sacred Heart Mission but you're learning to look after yourself. Yeah, support accommodation. Then they come and check up on you and help you with the shopping and learning to look after yourself. So you learned how to do all those things for yourself that you weren't allowed to because people weren't treating you well. That's right. And doing shopping, washing. We had jobs, little jobs, you know, which we do. You know, like go out when we want to. Independence. That's it. Yes, that's what we want around here. That's right. Being strong, powerful, not depending on anyone else. Um, free as a bird because um, I worked it out. Oh, yeah, I left him at the age of 50 and I've still got 50 years of living. I'm hoping to live to 100. So I just said, well, I'm, I'm glad I've done the right thing and that's the way it's going to stay for the rest of my life. And if other women want to do the same thing as me, they should think about their life first for their future. And if they do want to leave their partners, they have to trust someone who they can talk to. They have to go to the organisations for the women, domestic violence organisation. Women with Disabilities Victoria, the Aboriginal one. Jura. Jura. There is, for the ones who are Indigenous, to leave their partners as well. If they want to have help so they can leave their partners and not tell their partners where they are going and take them to court and all this. And there's the Department of Justice. 
legal aid, that's the other one, yes. If they want to put a restriction order on their partners and all that as well. So there's a few organisations out there if they do want to leave their partners because while they with their partners, they are not feeling free to me. They have to keep things inside them and the more you keep things inside them, the bottle it, it bottles up and it's not good for your health. In all of your advocacy, because you've done so much, yep. when you're telling your story, you've often talked about how important it is to do that yes. and the reasons why you do that is because you know what it feels like to keep things bottled inside you for That's so right. long. That's yes. right, Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's so important to, to speak up? Yep. Like when I was with um, the ex, I was keeping things bottled up and there was really only one person from the, when I was having the fits that knew what was going on and that was my caseworker. But I only had one time with her all the other times he would make sure he's there. That's when I couldn't say anything. And it was bottling up, bottling up. I was having fits, 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 fits. And uh, my health was just going downhill. And that's when I felt like if I was kept, like in an, in an institution and threatened and not to tell anybody what was going on behind closed doors. Can you talk a little bit about the self-advocacy group that you were a part of? It was after I had the brain surgery in 2004 that I joined Reinforce. I was already with a MIDA in the 90s, but I was only on their committee. And ever since then, that's when I've got a lot stronger, powerful, more wiser. And my partner has known a big difference in me and he didn't like that. He didn't because he knew that I was taking away his domineering and he was just getting jealous and jealous of it because he never had, he couldn't tell me what to do. And that's when I was with Reinforce and learning a lot more about myself, standing up for yourself, having a voice to be heard, not to be denied, to be listened to and to have that support beside you. And that's when I went on the Reinforced Committee meeting. And that's when I went to their AGMs. And that's when I started learning a lot. And then it was after I left him I learnt a lot, lot more. It was that time after I left, after I had the brain surgery, and I left him um, eight years after I had the surgery, that I started changing. My health started to get improved. I didn't need to depend on anyone else and I felt like if I was more freedom, I didn't need anyone else. And I just felt like that's when I started doing a lot of painting and all that then because he wouldn't like it if I was painting there when, when, I, when I was with him. So I started doing painting and it was always in me. And that's when I started feeling comfortable, wanted, listened to, helping, people helping, being not ignored, all that. I'll be sleeping under stars tonight 
Not sure exactly where I'll be Maybe underneath the pale moonlight Or maybe underneath that tree Black smoke Riding in the sky tonight Everything will be alright If you let go You're listening to Race and Air Voices Humans Are gathered in the place tonight Everything will be alright If you let go seeing other people's stories on when it was when they were brought up in institutions and they were telling those stories so it can be out there for the ones who have not been brought up in homes on what it was like in those days how were we treated what was the food like what what did we get we got charlie the strap and got velvet soap rubbed in our mouth for swearing at the staff and we used to get put to bed at 5:30 and that, like it was like an, it was like a jail. In those days, and it was telling those people, the ones who never grew up in a home, what we went through, and what, what there was no favoritisms, what those days were like. We only got ten cents or twenty cents, and had the sunny boys in those days, that because they took a long time to suck. They did, and that's why we used to get them. <laughs> and that, and we used, and I used to always ask for handfuls of lollies, and we used to go for our long walks as well. And if we wet ourselves, we get our nose rubbed in it, which is punishment for doing it. And that, yes, and we used to jump over the beds, hide under the beds, play hiding seek, go outside at night. And we used to get into trouble for that. <laughs> And another thing, we used to have trampolines in the institution too, I remember. And we used to do somersaults on the inter- in the trampolines. Oh, I've got um, photos of me on the trampoline. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that you have those good memories. Well, yeah, there were good memories, there was, and there was the bad memories mm. as well. Yeah, and we used to have pine trees. All institutions used to always have big pine trees. And the reason why was to cover up what was going on behind closed doors. Mm. So they were all near the western, they were all near the highways, these institutions were, for the truckies to go to, you know, wherever they're going, or cars. But they couldn't see what was going on behind these closed big pine trees. That's how they, that's how they built these homes in those days to put put them away from the community. So what was going on behind there, no one knew until until the mouth started lagging and the words talk started telling what was going on behind closed doors, which was good in one way. Do you know what I mean by that, by the talk, by... Us people 
starting to tell the story to make sure it was being believed. And the staff, some of the staff were on us and they came forward and told their stories, told what was going on behind closed doors. Because us, we were just treated like um, a bunch of sheep from one paddock to another and the paddocks are wards from one ward to another. And that's how we were treated. Um, We were not being looked after properly. They were just like jails. They were, yeah. So uh, do you feel comfortable talking about the current inquiry? Oh, yeah. Do you mean the one that's on now? Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us about how you've been involved in the current inquiry into institutional abuse? Yep. Um, The current inquiry is to do with the um, elderly in the nursing homes because... Um, people have been caught treating the older clients the bad way, which they shouldn't have been treated. And some of the family has secretly, behind um, a pot plant, put a camera there so they can film what was going on because they can tell by their person, you know, from their family member that they aren't them usual selves. And that's when um, a couple of days that they come back and they get the camera and they watch it and then that's when they got caught out, these people, which is I'm glad they did. Because to me, we should be treated equally even if we are elder people, elders, and the Aboriginal people Elders, we should be treated equally like anyone else, even if they're in these nursing homes. And that, you know, there shouldn't be no favouritisms. They should be just treated all equal. And that, and me telling my story about what happened to me in the institution, people should take note of that if they're working in an elderly home. And they shouldn't be treating those people the way I was treated in these homes. As free as a bird, and you only live once on this planet. So if you want to think of leaving your partner, take note what I say, because you are, when you're dead, you go into sawdust. My name's Jane Rosengrave, and you're listening to a Yorty Order Strong Power for Woman on 3CR. In the place tonight, everything will be Thanks for listening, everybody. And now it's time to say goodbye. Bye. It's deadly. 
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.